If you're considering a career in medicine, this show is for you. I'm going to be talking to a variety of healthcare professionals who are going to share the reality of what it takes to have a successful career in medicine. The good, the bad, the inspiring, the funny. My name is Michelle Nesky. I'm a physician assistant and your host about to bring you Beyond the Scope. If you've done research into applying to physician assistant school, you know how crazy it is with all the different requirements and programs out there and how do you choose which one is best for you? Well, luckily, two of my friends and PAs created an amazing platform that you can do this all in one place called My PA Box. Research schools by state, track your hours, look up all the requirements literally in one spot at mypabox.com. You can also use their PA school match to enter in all your demographic information, your GPA, whether or not you took the GRE or PA CAT, and filter for schools that would be the best fit for you. You guys, this has been game changing for pre-PAs and I use it all the time with my clients. You can go ahead and get a one-year subscription. And because you're listening to this podcast, if you use Posh PA 15, you can get 15% off your one-year subscription. You will not regret this. If you are a pre-PA, it will sort things out so much for you and just make it easier to do the research on the programs that are the best fit for you. So check them out, mypabox.com. Okay, everybody, I am super, super excited to have Anthony Minacho on the podcast today. Um, he is a family medicine and street medicine PA practicing in Woodland, California. He also serves as the executive director of Sacramento Street Medicine. Um, Anthony actually was a National Health Service Corps scholar and graduated from the PA program at Keck University. Keck School of Medicine at the University of South Carolina. He had his bachelor's in kinesiology at California State um, and has mentored hundreds of students, many now in medical PA or graduate school. Um, 10 years of experience on student success. We're talking about college students helping, you know, high schoolers get into college and then helping college students be successful um, using his brain box methods. Um, and this is really to help students realize and accomplish their dreams, you know, academically and professionally. Um, he also spearheads, as I mentioned, Sacramento Street Medicine, um, aimed to provide medical care to the unhoused population of South Sacramento. Um, and he was nominated for Man of the Year, San Bernardino County 2019. I am feeling a little small over here. I'm not going to lie. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you so much. And it's, it's amazing to be on your podcast. I've been a follower for, for quite some time and, and an admirer. So um, it's, it's, it's honestly a pleasure. And That's thank you for that amazing bio. I wonder if I sent it, but it's a <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. So, I mean, you have so many different interests, so many different um, kind of passion projects. So let's start with first, you know, how you decided to be a PA and what that looked like for you getting into Keck School of Medicine. Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. That's such a, a loaded question. I think... Um, well, you know, I, I grew up with my with my dad. I, I'm, I'm a son of two immigrants. Uh, my dad mm -hmm. was born in Lima, Peru, my mom in Havana, uh, Cuba. And uh, growing up, I uh, had always seen my dad sick. Mm -hmm. And he was bedridden from the time I was eight to the time I was 18 years old. And at 18, when I was um, in college, he had actually been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma mm -hmm. um, late stage. 
And unfortunately, you know, we lost him, we lost him to cancer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, medicine was like the last thing I wanted to get into. And so um, it wasn't until like a few years after that I had done uh, a health disparities research. Uh, I was a scholar, a health disparities research scholar at uh, Cal State, um, kind of just fell into it. Like I was, I was bouncing around different uh, careers because I I had played soccer. I got recruited to play soccer at, at Cal State San Bernardino. Oh, wow. And um, uh, yeah, and so I was doing like PT and I was doing athletic training and I was doing all these things. And I kind of fell into this uh, pre-medical and pre-health club at, uh, at Cal State. And I had seen that the person was like this, this Latino. And I was like, oh, I can kind of get with this. And he put me in touch with this research project. Full circle, we did this um, health disparities research and I had found that my dad had actually gone through a good number of, of health disparities. And I was like, man, mm. like we, we should really like address this. Like, yeah. I, and the way you do this is through like primary care, because I would see my dad's primary care. He spoke perfect English. It wasn't like a, there was no language barrier. It was more yeah. of a like um, predisposition, like by mm. the providers, like this person is you know drug seeking or whatever. Like bias. Was, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, the, there's so many biases, but, uh, so yeah, so after that, I, I was like, okay, like maybe I need to do this. And so, um, uh, yeah, I, I started by going to a pre-medical and pre health conference in Sacramento. Ironically, mm -hmm. I'm not from Sacramento. I'm from uh, <laughs> San Bernardino. I ended up in Sacramento, but, um, I went to UC Davis, uh, for the, for the, um, pre-medical and pre health conference there. And I was like, Hey man, like, why don't we have something like that at Cal state? Yeah. And so I founded my own pre-medical, our own pre-medical and pre-health conference at Cal state. Nice. You know, um, and it's, it's sponsored now by the president of Cal state by, I think it's like 10 to 15 grand. It's like, awesome. in, it's in, it's like eighth year. I think we, my, both my brother and I spoke at it last, this last year. That's awesome. But, um, but anyway, with that, I, we had gauged interest from like a bunch of medical schools, a bunch of PA schools. And I was like, I want to go into medical school, right? Like everybody's like medicine, your first thought is medical school. Right. And I've been exposed to the PA program just by hosting this conference and having people come. And um, I'll never forget like USC, uh, Christopher Forrest, who was a professor there at the time, mm -hmm. hosted this, this PA workshop. And I was like, man, like, I have so many passions and you can kind of see like how I am now. Yeah. Like, like, medicine is not everything that I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, I have so many other things that I want to do. And even if I were to pick a field of medicine, like I would want to do probably something else as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, man, PA is the most amazing thing. And I knew I wanted to go into primary care because of my yeah. father. And I was like looking, you know, doing my shadowing hours and learning like from, from primary care physicians and primary care PAs. And I'm like, there is no difference. Like there's no difference. <laughs> and I'm like, where I work right now, I work in primary care, right? Like I work in family medicine. And right. literally there is no, there is no difference in what, what um, I do and what my um, physicians do. And that's no knock on my physicians. I love my, I love my colleagues. Right. Um, but it's, a, it's a, it's a team effort. It's a collaboration effort. Um, but I have my own team of, of MAs and doc and uh, RNs and mm -hmm. secretaries that, that work yeah. with my team and my panel of patients. And then, um, you know, the physicians and other PAs have their teams and um, the ability to make an impact like that um, while being able to go into other specialties as well as like having the flexibility and do other things mm -hmm. um, was why like I really wanted to go into PA. And I, and I had the opportunity to, to go um, to yeah. medical school on, on a few partial scholarships 
Yeah. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to get the NHSC scholarship. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Scholarship at NHSC, yeah. So a lot of people ask me, like, I probably once a day, do you regret not going to medical school? And I think that the there's a misconception there that sometimes people think like, why would you choose to be a PA when you could be a doctor? And um, I said, you know, for me, it was a conscious choice, you know, like it, like it sounds like it was for you, um, yes. you know, and so going, I didn't even know what a PA was. I graduated college and was working, you know, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. So, you know, when I found the PA profession and decided, I, I literally was like, I can apply to medical school. I, I can be a doctor, but I don't want to. <laughs> so I think that's like a difference of opinion. I mean, it's not that way for maybe it's not that way for everybody, but I chose this because exactly of what you're saying. I chose to be a PA over a doctor because I felt that it offered me more flexibility in terms of opportunities, you know, like wanting to do different things outside of clinical medicine. It's not that doctors can't do that. I just feel that, you know, this profession to me, you know, allows me to practice clinical medicine and explore a lot of other things that I enjoy and both personally and professionally and, um, you know, really, um, gives me that kind of flexibility if I wanted to, like you said, go into a different area and explore different areas. So you do, so you're a perfect example. So you do family medicine, but now you also do street medicine. So tell us about that because there's not a lot of PAs I know that do that unless there are, and I don't know. Um, but I, that's, you know, you're sort of one of the first I've heard to do that kind of medicine. So tell us about that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're, you're totally right. I think like the, the idea of being a PA is the fact that you can do other things in medicine. And it's not to say that physicians can't do it, but you know, when you're, when you go to school for so long, you almost owe it to yourself to really like dedicate your entire life yes. to like the, yes. the, 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 the craft, the medicine. And you can't fault them for doing that, you know. Yeah. Uh, they delve into that that work because they put so much time and effort. And yes. Blood, sweat, and tears to that, and, and full respect to them. Um, I think for me, like, yeah, like I had had the idea of like doing a bunch of different things, um, not just family medicine, but other things. And with street medicine, like I I was exposed to street medicine um, at USC um in in los angeles and skid row mm -hmm. where we were you know i'm not sure if you're familiar with skid row which is the most yeah. densely populated homeless population in the in the in the country wow. um if you if you took everybody if you took the top 30 metropolitan areas of homelessness um unsheltered homelessness and you put it all together skid row would still have more los angeles oh would still God. have more um which is like um it's, it's, um, it's a crisis, right? But mm -hmm. um, nevertheless, so I, I, you know, I was exposed to street medicine up there. Um, actually, my brother, I have a twin brother, I, I neglected oh, nice. today, who also who also practices as a critical care PA. Um, and he went to USC, he did some work at in street medicine, at USC, and I was, I was exposed like vicariously. And when I moved up to Sacramento, um, the Feldman's, Brett Feldman and Corinne Feldman, who are the directors mm -hmm. of street medicine at USC in Los Angeles, had said, hey, like, if you want to start a street medicine program, like, let us know. Because, like, they have, they are, like, they are very, like, uh, well-known within the street medicine yeah. realm. And they've helped 
consult and do a bunch of different things. So anyway, um, so I came up, I literally got, I've, I've spoken at, uh, you know, a good number of, of institutions and I knew I've, I had spoken at UC Davis before and Berkeley before and, but you know, a few places in San Francisco. So I literally, I, my first task by Brett Feldman was like, Hey, you need to, if you want to start a program, you need to find out what the, uh, what they need, like, what mm -hmm. is it that, the, that our people need? And so I need to do a needs assessment in my head. I'm like, I've never done a needs assessment. <laughs> I'm going to have to like, I'm just going to print this survey up, you know, like I wrote this survey up and I'm just going to go around Sacramento and just like, you know, do this thing. And I quickly learned like it was too, it was so, it was so difficult, you know, like right yeah. out of school, I graduated in May, started doing this in like June. Oh my God. I had, I had I had a little leeway of like I was doing a pediatric orthopedic surgery in Ecuador before that, which was oh my gosh, which was which was fun. But anyway, uh, so I was in I was in uh, Sacramento. I got so like once I found out this was so hard, I was like, hey, I'm gonna reach out to all these students. I got quickly like 70, 75 students to help wow. me scale all of Sacramento and learn, you know, the needs of the community. Um, and from that point forward, you know, like we. We grew um, continuously and mm -hmm. uh, we built a board. We uh, started doing events. People started understanding like, hey, these people do have needs. Yeah. And um, and yeah, so like just recently with COVID, we actually exploded even more because most people yeah. like, hey, uh, you know, well, wouldn't you want to stay away? Well, we wanted to go. We wanted to go into it. That's that's what we signed up for. And right. a bunch of med students at the local medical schools at UC Davis in California and North State had put together a team to go do these things, to go do kind of the work that we were yeah. already doing, like heresy kind of. And uh, we were like, well, why don't we just join forces? Mm -hmm. We joined forces. Now we have um, we have a full we have a full like working board. Um, I have a medical I have a medical director, mm -hmm. an operations director, a bunch of people, and we have eight street medicine teams doing uh visiting eight different encampments two or three times a month oh wow so, um it's, so tell it's, us what you do when you go there what do you do when you get to the you know encampment what do you guys provide yeah so uh so we we generally the first thing for uh anything right in medicine i think personally is building relationships right building mm -hmm. rapport building building trust because like we could talk about, uh, you know, the diabetes and the high blood pressure, sure. and the, their issue, their skin issues, all we want. But if we have no trust, if we have no rapport, like the chances of them following through is is minimal. One yeah. and two, two. What I tell all my students and my people at street, at Sacramento Street Medicine is like street medicine. You know, the majority of street medicine is not medicine. It's yeah. not like, it's not the hyper, it's not, you know, the prescribing of, mm -hmm. you know, the Cinepro or metformin. It's actually psychological. Like it's, yeah. it's the psychosocial aspect of um, medicine. It's talking mm -hmm. to them. It's, it's, um, you know, building relationship, building rapport. And, you know, when we, when we teamed with the med students, we were doing low acuity care. Yeah. So like wound care, skin, you know, simple skin, skin stuff, you know, like, but we couldn't, we couldn't prescribe any medications. Right. And uh, so we started like, and with, with uh, med students, med students are very like well-intentioned Yeah. you can kind of like get into it and, and really all, all health students, right? Not just med students. Med students yeah. Medicine, <laughs> it's all um, health students. Of, yeah. I, yeah. All students, right. They have, they're well-intentioned, uh, but we can kind of delve too deep into a history where we're like, 
we're losing that um, tangibility of like building relationships. So, so to answer your question is we yeah. number one need to build relationships, you yeah. know, like we go in there, we bring survival supplies like food, water, socks, hygiene kits, those mm -hmm. things. So that we can build the trust so that when we do come back with the, with the medications and the things that we, that we need to adjust yeah. for their health concerns, they, they, they comply. Um, All right. Now um, are most was, people, are most people, open to talking to you guys or do you find that they're looking for something like this or um or are they scared 100 percent. no I, I think they're i think they're entirely open you know there's, okay. very, there's a few times where you, like you have um you have the person that like doesn't want to talk or that doesn't want to that doesn't want any help and that's perfectly fine like you have to you have to you know respect them it's you like know, that every our, it's like that in any office in any office right i think yeah you know, the way one of our concepts at, at Sacramento Street Medicine is kind of the harm reduction um, principles. And, and I don't mean in the terms of like substance use, though, though certainly like we will, we do include like substance use. Um, but the idea is like we meet people where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's the idea of like radical love and, mm -hmm. and um, unconditional love. Like we, we, uh, one thing uh, Brett Feldman had, had, you know, told me and I learned literally through, um the ted talk he actually has a ted talk oh, and cool. he said that a lot of people deal with the homeless um by by giving tough love and we have to understand that like the 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 homeless have had enough tough mm -hmm. so let's focus on the love and so for me like it was like when we go when we go into an encampment mm -hmm. we have to be conscientious that like we're just meeting them we're just meeting them where they're at and yeah. there's times where, where I tell my students, like, they get upset that the person doesn't want to take the water, the person doesn't want to take the food, like, we're, we're well intentioned, we want to right. be there for them, we want to care for them. But I'm like, well, we're just like dropping on a second, you know, in a, on a, yeah, on a, a snippet of their, their life, their, yeah, a snippet of their life. And we just want them because we show up, we want them to be accepting. But it's like, somebody shows up in the middle of your day, and they, <laughs> and they, they want you to be accepting because like, hey, like, they're there, right? right. Like, Right. It doesn't make sense. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many concepts. There's so many things. That, so now do you I, go back to the same, like kind of yeah. how often, so you, you said you go a couple times a month or whatever to sort of the same areas. Every few weeks. I apologize. Every few I, weeks. I, I apologize in the background. There's like, they're, I think they're doing my. They're oh, it's okay. But anyway. No um, the, uh, yeah, we go every two weeks, every, okay. every, every team. So we have about seven, eight teams go every two weeks so we visit okay. we visit encampments um twice sometimes three times a month depending on the need so like if there's you know if there's a real serious case like um, like i said the majority is not medicine the majority is like psychosocial getting sure you know, relationship relationship building those kinds of things um but if there's like a serious case and things that need to be addressed then we'll we'll, we'll go a little a little more frequently to make sure that the person's okay but so are so you are not prescribing medications not right now not that okay. not that we yeah we intend we certainly intend to the idea with with prescribing medications is you need number one you need uh medical malpractice right yeah like nobody's, yeah nobody's gonna nobody's gonna go out there without having medical malpractice so what we're doing right now is we're in the we're in the process of getting a non-profit uh establishing non-profit status hmm. we, we do have a non-profit by proxy that we we get a lot of funds by right now we're at yeah i don't know like you know, we've raised a, a, a considerate amount of money, but um, we we have we're applying for not uh, the 501c3 nonprofit status. And then 
on the back end of that, we're doing um, HRSA uh, to mm-hmm. become a free and charitable clinic. And okay. Through them, through them, they would provide uh, medical malpractice for like 50 plus providers or something like okay. that. Don't okay. quote me, but we'll have uh, by that time, which is probably in a six month period or so. Yeah. Um, we'll be prescribing medications for that's pretty cool. So when you go out there and you deliver food and you, you know, water and you're checking for, you know, minor skin conditions and things like that, if it's more serious, do you try to get them to go to a hospital? Do they go? Yeah, certainly. So, you know, I'm a, I, I practice, obviously practice medicine. My medical director practices medicine and we have, We have avenues to where like if somebody needs somebody really needs to get a prescription, somebody needs needs a medication, we figure out a way how mm-hmm. um, generally like if we if we say somebody needs to go to the ER, like there's so um, distrustful yeah. uh, for for the ER, like and they have like some horrendous like experiences sometimes with with the ER. So we, we do find a way to yeah. you know get a, get a prescription out to them if 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 necessary. But. Um, ideally the goal is to be, is to right now serve as the bridge, you know, like Sacramento has so many resources. Yeah. We are probably the most resource rich city, like per capita. We are just, we have clinics everywhere. We have hospitals everywhere. Yeah. We have dispense, you know, we have pharmacies everywhere, but we don't have like care for our homeless, which is just continuing to grow. And I can't imagine after COVID, but uh, yeah, I was going to say like, with so many people uh, losing their jobs then. Incredible, yeah. Incredible. But yeah, but yeah, I mean. Um, so it's not just relationship building. We do, we do practice medicine. Um, yeah. We do practice medicine and, and uh, the idea is to getting over that hump of like being able to carry meds and prescribe meds. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll be doing that in the near future. That's awesome. Um, so you have basically your supervising physician is this man is, is this doctor that you're with, right? Your medical director. Cause a lot of people will say, well, how, you know, maybe how do you do this? But I know also the laws are a little different in California. You know, I had another, I had Katie on the podcast in the first season who basically co-owns her own practice with, mm. you know, has a medical director, but owns, you know, 99% of the, or however much of the practice. Um, and so, you know, I think that, um, laws are different in every state, but you know, for the most part, I think your relationship with your physician protects your license and things. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so the way, so the way it works right now, uh, yeah. Like if I, if I were to be practicing medicine, it would be, Mm -hmm. it would be under my, my medical director's license, but, um, as executive director of Sacramento street medicine in this phase, it's more like, it's more working. Like it's more just just business work. stuff it's right now. Right. Yeah. Stuff, you know, it's like getting stuff done. And, um, and it, and it's like, it's intriguing, like for a lot of like, um, PAs, like hopeful PAs yeah. out there that, that like, I get asked a lot. Right. So that mom, mm-hmm. kind of like you, like I get students all the time and, and a lot of it's like, well, if you want administrative roles, if you want like leadership roles, wouldn't you want to be a doctor? And I'm like, well, if you're showing up consistently and you're doing things genuinely and you're doing things and you're growing as an individual and you're just a community leader, people will follow. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I started this, um, really like out of the, on, like basically just pulling out a piece of paper and, and running <laughs> around with it in, in downtown and <laughs> like, and, but I had the skills, you know, I have the skills to like, to lead and to yeah. um, and to negotiate and to do these things. Um, so regardless of what letters are behind your name, if your intention is pure and if you're consistent, 
um, in the community and giving to mm-hmm. the community, um, you are a leader and you yeah. and people will follow. Um, and so, yeah, like you know, the technicalities, yeah. the technicalities of it are um, the technicalities of it are like, hey, I, I technically do have to, uh, you know, practice under my medical director's license. But ultimately in the streets, there there is no there is no yeah. hierarchy. Yeah, there's no hierarchy. Yeah, I can see that. So you also practice family medicine. So what is your schedule like? Yeah, because now you have like this thing. Plus, you have a daughter. So what? Yes. What is your schedule like? Everybody always asks me, "How's your work life balance?" I'm like, "Well, I make my work life balance." But how? How? How is that for you? So what is your schedule like? Yes. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. I tell people like I do easily eighty plus hour weeks. But it's out of like passion, man. Like, yeah, I, because we haven't even talked about brain box methods. No, we're like getting to I, that. We're getting to which brain is where I work with students, you know, but um, so I, I practice family medicine, um, you know, like full time. I would work, you know, I work 12 hours on Monday. I work eight. I work 12 to nine on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I negotiated to only work mo- Wednesday and Friday mornings. And then Thursday, I worked at the, a nine to five. Okay. But like in between there, like, you know, like if I'm on my lunch at like 12 to one, I'm on, a, I'm on a meeting four to five, I'm on a meeting, mm-hmm. you know, our street teams meeting is every Monday at eight. So like, right when I get off clinic, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a meeting and then like really my nights and my really early mornings, that's why I feel like a morning routine is just so absolutely crucial for anybody mm-hmm. that's, that's like listening and is like really kind of struggling as to like what, what will really like set their day on track is, is a morning routine. A lot of my work is done at, at night because I, you know, I work until yeah. you know, 11, 12, but, um, Tuesday morning I'm, I'm, you know, generally doing like creative thinking for, uh, for brain box Wednesday, Wednesday afternoons. I have, uh, I have my daughter anytime I'm off, I have my daughter. So it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of like a balance of like, um, you know, like making sure I give her the yes. quality, the quality time and, I think that's what makes the weeks the longest because right. You want, you're, you're, you're a, you're a parent first, you know, yes. first. Yeah. Um, uh, so when you dedicate that time, nothing else is being, is being done. Right. Rightfully so. Right. So you're, you're right. entirely right. present. Right. Um, but so that's what I said, you know, like after, you know, CC goes to bed, I'm, I'm, I'm back in like creative thinking, creative thinking. I do call, I mean, I, I don't do calls at night much anymore because I couldn't go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, talking to people, do a personal statement. It's eight, nine o'clock and I'm like, oh my God. And then after I get off the call, I'm like, I can't sleep now. Like this yeah. is not conducive. Like I'm yeah. fine to do just administrative work or whatever I have to do. Yeah. But like right. when I'm talking to somebody and I'm getting jazzed up about something yeah, exactly. and then I got to go to bed. Yes. No, like especially yeah. with personal statements, I get super dorky and I'm like so into it. And then I'm like, okay, well now I got to go to bed. No. So, I mean, yeah. that's not going to happen. So I think that, you know, it's tough. I mean, I work part-time. My husband's a surgeon, you know, I'm, I work three days, you know, in clinic and then, um, I have some administrative time on one of those days. And then, you know, I'm doing the rest of the stuff, the other three, four days of the week. And then, you know, picking up my daughter and, you know, um, making sure I spend time with her and Dave and, um, and so, yeah, it's definitely complicated, but, um, but I like it. (laughs) Right. Like I wouldn't, you know, I don't, if you don't love something, you're not passionate about something, you're not going to keep doing it. Um, 
but it is important to make the balance because I don't want to get burned out of something I actually love doing. And so I feel like, you know, I've made some big changes this year that have allowed me to balance this a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, not having any business background or anything like that, you know, just kind of coming into this on my own and really doing a lot of the learning, you know, online and, and asking people for help and, you know, all those different things. But I feel like, you know, if you love it, you, you put in the time, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Like I'm excited to do the things, you know, and I want to do them. I want to make them good. I want people to get information from them, you know? And so I think it's, it's like you said, if you're passionate about it, you figure out a way to balance it out, you know, with your time. You're definitely doing it. You're definitely doing it. I mean, I feel it like through your pose, through your, Oh, thank you. And um, I honestly, I love watching, (laughs) I love, I love watching your work. It's incredible. Uh, Yeah. I've definitely kind of, um, you know, I love music and Dave and I always have music on in the house and we love, I'm always dancing around my house and everything. And somebody was like, they literally made this app for you. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, like, and sometimes I'm like, Oh, I don't feel like doing this or whatever. But generally I think it's kind of fun and, you know, try to try to figure it out. And I don't care what I look like. I'm 40 something years old. And if I can help one person by looking like an idiot, I don't care. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, it is what it is, but um, so that actually takes us to brain box because, you know, my, I focus, I, my primarily the people I help are in college and then getting ready to apply to PA school or out of college and applying PA students, you know, things like that. PA students in call, you know, in the programs, Right. Your brain box is for people like way early on. We're talking yeah. in undergrad, yes. applying to undergrad, yes. like a huge, huge market here because yes. I get questions from high school students all the time. What can yeah. I do in high school, you know, to like right. get myself ready for college? Right. That's a hard thing for me because um, I'm so far out of high school. <laughs> right. Right, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, but I mean, I, you know, so you develop brain box to help students just like this, right? right. Exactly. So. Now, exactly. I mean, uh, Michelle, my brother and I, uh, have been mentoring students for almost 10 years now. That's crazy. And, and yeah, it's crazy to think, but like, I, you know, the one thing that I've recognized with, with, um, college students, even seniors, juniors, and people that are that are closest to me, that I feel like are are ready for that for that next level graduate school, top of the line, you know, top of the line, renowned graduate school. And we sit down, and I'm like, there's just no way, there's just no way it's going to happen. And I'm like, if it, if it's happening to these, you know, if these if these students aren't prepared, right. if these students like don't have the, the the necessary tools and resources and things behind them to to get them where they need to be. And they're um, quote unquote the the successful students. Then where is everybody else? Right. And so like I see, you know, people, you know, students, and and they're you know some students from like really big schools, you know, UCLA, UC UC Davis, UC mm-hmm. Berkeley, you know, big schools that um, put all this money and all this time and all this effort uh, to not really set themselves up for success when they graduate, right? Like. Yeah how many students are you are you dealing with right now that are in postbacks that are oh. that are asking you that are asking so you for like hey like 
uh, you look at the resume and like, well, what, what's been happening for the last four years, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not their fault, right? Like if you look at like the, the school system, the way that the school system works is like, they give you a bunch of information, mm-hmm. but they never really teach you like how to learn. Do they right. ever like really set you up for success in terms of like, like how many personal statements have you written when you're from a freshman to senior? Probably, probably very few. Right. And if, if there's any essays, it's probably on the subject matter that they're trying to test you on. But like, so for us, it was like, well, you know, initially Brainbox started like, okay, well, students need to, to need to learn uh, study habits, right? Brainbox methods yes. like, is is based on like learning the brain-based methods of, uh, of, of learning, just learning, absorbing information, right? Like, you know, the, the most we've been ever, we've ever been told as students is like, Hey, um, if you're, you know, this is how you study. You're either an auditory learner, you're a visual learner, or you're a tactile learner, find out which one that is, and then stick with that. And then you're good. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. for brain-based learning, which we learned, you know, we learned early on, but we like really learned, it was like, Oh, this is called brain-based learning at USC. Was right. it, at USC, they were saying like, Hey, like, you need to feel it. You need to touch it. You need to express it. You need to, you know, you need to draw emotion to it because the more avenues that you take, like visually, auditorily, like um, tactile wise, like the easier it is to remember the information. And it's not just as a student, but it is as a professional, right? I do the same thing when I'm, when I'm practicing medicine. So we started there and then eventually it was like, okay, well, the, the, once you learn like brain-based learning and study habits and all that stuff, that's pretty easy stuff. I mean, it's pretty like straightforward. As soon as you learn it, like, then use all you have to do is apply it then we were like well how do you how do you do how do you do everything outside of the classroom right how's your mindset like how is your how is your resiliency how is your confidence how is your Mm -hmm. your ability to deal with struggles um and then it's like do you package yourself right like professionally do you Mm -hmm. have like all the all the experiences that you need do you have um the resume the application the personal statement like literally everything and if everybody was on the same playing ground then everybody would be able to choose where they want to go yes they would be able to Mm -hmm. like hey i want to go to yale or i want to go to harvard or i want to go to ucla i want to go to usc it's not a far-fetched idea right and i tell students all the time like dude you are 17 years old i promise you if you just follow the follow the advice follow the guidance you will blow my resume out of the water you yeah. know, and you will be able to choose where you want to go. You yeah. know, um, how many students do you have, Michelle, that will tell you, like you ask them, oh, where did you apply? Oh, I applied to like everywhere. I just want to go wherever. Yes. Yes. Right? And in my head, I'm like, okay, let me, let's get this straight. So you've spent, you know, however many years in school, you spent thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars Yep. To then get to a point where you're ready to ready to do the thing that you love the most. And you're just going to go to like Idaho or Wyoming <laughs> or somewhere because they'll take you. It's like yeah. nothing on Idaho or Wyoming, but it's like, hey, man, if you want to go to UCLA, if you want to go to like a top school yeah. or if you just have or you just have a school in mind, like maybe you want to go to the local school yeah. because you like what's serve your, your top choice? Yes. Like, what's, what's your, your number one choice? choice? And if it's exactly. in Idaho, great. Package yourself exactly. for Idaho. Exactly. Like, exactly. I, I, I literally, I did that reel the other day because I was like, when I hear people say, I'm like on counseling sessions and how, how many schools are you going to apply to? Oh, like probably like 25. I cry. Oh and I cry. Yeah. I'm like, and I say <laughs> immediately, I say, no, you're not. You're not, right. not, not if you're going to work with me or not. 
right. <laughs> and 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 because of that reason if if you have intention if you have a focus if you have a handful of schools that you have learned about and feel like you want to go there and they would be a good fit for you for the following reasons then you know, being intentional about yourself and your application and being the best applicant for those programs has higher yield than you sending out 25 applications and wasting 100%. your money. Thousand percent. And, and, and what you will, and what you will, how you'll feel after that. Like, mm -hmm. um, I have so many students that I, that I like urge, like, don't do this, you know? Yeah. Like don't go to X school because you, because they're going to take you and then they do it. And then like, two or three years down the line, they're like, man, I really should have gone to yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So y you're totally right. You're, you're absolutely yeah. right. And, and ultimately it's because they're not, they're not prepared. They're not, um, they're you not can't given. be your best for 25 people. Right. Like right. You, you can't be the best applicant for 25. You, you just can't. <laughs> I have had people apply to one program. I've worked with a number of clients who have applied to one program because they have restrictions for different reasons. Right. You know, they're married, they're, they're in the military, they're, right. you know, whatever it is. And they do everything yeah. to be the best possible applicant for this program. And yes, almost all of them have been successful. Do yes. I recommend one? No, it scares me, but yeah. you know, <laughs> three or four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like do, but yeah, I think that yeah. there, there's just been this concept over the last couple of years. Like you just got to apply everywhere and see what happens. And people are not happy with me when I tell them they're not going to apply 25 programs, but I'm like, yeah. but that's not why I do. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I just want you to be the best you can for programs right. that you actually want to go to. Right. Um, and, it, and, it, and it starts young, right? Like it starts, yes. it starts like 16, 17, 18 years old. If you could learn like the, um, number one, the study habits, the study habits are very, very number one forward. If you can learn the information, like if, number one, if you don't have the GPA, you're not going to get, you're not going to get the shot. Right. Yeah. So you need to get the things done in that in, academically. Like that's, that's a given. Right. But the other thing is like mindset, right? Yes. What, like what people, people, like people asking you, like, how do you do it? People ask me like, how do you do it? It's like, well, if it's, it's really like mindset, it's a mindset thing. Right. So, and there are so many different levels to that. Right. We talk about that in brain box. It's like, if we can get your mindset right, your mm -hmm. your your trajectory goes tenfold mm -hmm. just by just by getting your mindset right. Right. Mm -hmm. Then we go into like the professional realm and, and understanding like what experiences do you need? What things what things should you be doing over the next one, two, three, four years? Because by the time you're fourth, your fourth year, you will have so many damn experiences like you will just yes. pick and choose like what you can what you want to do. Right. And then by the time you're ready to uh, ready to apply, ready to package yourself, whether that's like you know, we do brainbox brainbox method is not just for medicine. We certainly have a, a good amount of, of people in medicine, yeah. but like anything you want to apply to a school, you want to apply to a job right out of school. Um, but you're prepared, you're mm -hmm. prepared, you're prepared mentally, you're prepared, uh, you know, uh, emotionally, you're put, you're prepared with, with all the professional skills and the ability to absorb information and learn, uh, to be a high performer wherever you go. Mm -hmm. I was asking, I was, I was, on, I was just on a, uh, I was doing a presentation and people were saying like, um, what, what, uh, did you, do you feel like you, you, you struggled with soft skills in mm -hmm. going into graduate school, right? USC. Mm -hmm. And I said, I've never been asked that. I honestly got, yeah. but I said, I said, that's a great question, but no, like I felt very <laughs> prepared. 
Like yeah. I, I was fortunate enough to get, you know, uh, the amount of experiences and the, and the opportunities I, I needed to develop the, the soft skills before I had even gotten to graduate school. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do at Brainbox. And I didn't do it through Brainbox. I did, I did it through my own experiences and, and, yeah. and learned experiences. I was a congressional intern and the House of Representatives working on the Affordable Care Act in Washington, D.C. Wow. I, did, uh, I was a health policy advocate at the California State Capitol. I worked on the, uh, that same day. Like the, I was working that during the day and I was working on the ambulance at night. I was wow. working in the ER for, for two years. I worked at UCLA School of Medicine, UCR School of Medicine. But all these things were just like afforded to me through the through the skills that I had learned mm-hmm. and these are the things that we that we that we teach our students um and it's no it's no wonder why the, the majority of our students are like massively massively successful we yes. have a good number of students on full ride scholarships places at you know renowned institutions that's amazing um and so because I'll tell you this the number one uh one of the number one things that I I get a lot is um, when I deal with people that have a lower GPA, so high, you know, 2.5 high twos, you know, things like that. And they want to go to PA school and they're number one, like, I think outside of like trauma or, you know, death in the family or whatever, but the number one thing I hear is that I was not ready for right. college level material. I had a really hard transition from high school to college. I didn't study correctly. I didn't, you know, I couldn't figure it out. I, you know, I just struggled and then I just kind of gave up, you know, and, and then now that has negatively affected my GPA. And even though I've done great in my last two years, now I have to spend all this money and all this time taking all of these classes so that I can, or, or a postback or a master's program, or, you know, all of that when your system would be amazing for these people as they are going into college, when they're early in college, getting their mindset, this is how you study, this is how to be successful. That is, the, so I always encourage freshmen in college to make, like people will message me and be like, how early is too early to make a session with you? And I'm like, never, never. it's never too early never. because you want to set yourself up for success. And here's what yeah. you need to do in the next four years. And your number one priority should be your academics. And yes. because the number, I was like, if you, don't get that right first. Yeah, everything else will fall out of place. Right. <laughs> so, um, right. and and I think using something like Brainbox methods would be amazing. Not only getting them into college, but when they're in college, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. setting them up for success as you know, PA students and med students or yeah. whatever or whatever yeah. career you go in. So right. that's an amazing resource. Amazing yeah. resource. Brainboxmethods.com, right? Yeah, Brainboxmethods.com. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it gives me the chills to hear that. Like it, it honestly, it is true. Like the, the idea of like somebody, a, a young, a young uh, adult um, going into college and having this resource, right? Like if we were afforded that resource, like, um, because I wasn't, you know, oh, I would have, I, I, I would have used it. <laughs> like anybody would, anybody would use it. Well. Right? Yeah. And, and in like, if you think about parents, right, we're both parents and you're like, yeah, uh, I want my daughter to, to use that. That's for yes. sure. because if we're going to say like, Hey, spend the next four or five years in college, like we want to make sure that you're successful. And yes. this is like, this is, this is a resource to do so. And, and you're right. Like, could you imagine if you were offered that 
like resource at 17 years old. Oh. Um, I, I got yeah. it when I was, you know, I didn't find medicine until I was 20, 22, you know, like 20, 21, 22. Yeah. And so like, this was like way, way, you know, way yeah. after. And yes, you're like, you're, 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 you were right about saying, you know, some people will go into college then they, then they, um, they struggle. They, they either, they're at a big school that they work so hard to get, get to yes. high school. And they're like, Oh, I had to leave there because I had to go back to like a community college because I couldn't, they, they wouldn't me they wouldn't let me take classes there or whatever, or they drop out. Yeah. And I've, we've had a good number of students, Michelle, that have literally, they went and they just couldn't, they couldn't handle the workload. Right. Yeah. A lot of, you know, no high, all high schools aren't created the same, you know, they're not no. preparing the students the same, you know? So yeah. Some students will go, they go to a community college, they can't handle the community college, and then they drop out. And then we have, we have so many of those students that had done that, and then come back, and we're like, hey, look, let's take, let's take you, let's, let's sit down and figure out like exactly how to do this. Now they're right. on Dean's, Dean's list, two years in a row, now going Amazing. to UCLA, and then one is on now on a, on a four-eye scholarship to, to UCLA's medical school. And so like, little things like this, where you're like, this, yeah. is, this is what's possible. You know? No, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, even myself, I didn't go to any fancy, you know, high school or anything. I, we had right. a relatively small high school and I went from there to the University of Connecticut where I was a tiny fish in a very big pond. And I was like, I am drowning here. Like, I don't know, you know, and not having those study techniques and things set in place, you know, was hard. My first two right. semesters, actually first semester was sort of okay. The next two, forget it. I was like, what am right. I doing? And that's when I was right. taking like biology and chemistry and, you know, all that. Right. And this is just, you know, and, and even for those who are, you know, I, I grew up in, in a nice town, you know, right. I, right. for people that don't. Yeah. Could you imagine who are in, you know, underserved areas or right. just don't have maybe they don't have parents who went to college or maybe they don't just have money or resources yeah. or anything those are the people that like i want to go to high schools right like i want to walk into a high school and be like this is what you can do right <laughs> like yeah. i want to walk into high schools all over south carolina and be <laughs> like hey let's do this thing right yeah. but yeah. you know i think it's I, I think that's where something like this comes really into, into play. And like I right. said, just working with so many clients that have struggled, you know, in, in their undergrad, right. those first two years and now are making up for it. And right. it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time. And I always tell people like, if you want to be a PA, it's possible, but you have to know the amount of time and work that you're going to have to put into that. If you don't prepare yourself correctly. Right. And, and, so. And, and that's, and that's the kicker, right? Like you, we are the goal. The goal is to make you uh, a high performing student so that you can make sure that you are successful in and making use of the, the, the time and mm -hmm. work and effort that you put in really like, this is why you go to high school, right? To go to college and then do the, all these yeah. things so many more than four years, but like how many, like how many students do we have to see that like are, amazing students would make amazing PAs and or providers or whatever it is, you know, like I, we have some, I have some amazing people that are going to be going to law school that yes. uh, and make amazing, amazing lawyers and whatever, but like they, they end up having to 
go to to post back. They end up spending more money. They do uh, more courses to correct grades that they that they could have easily got. You know, right? Yeah. We've probably do, we've probably done it as well. Like I remember, totally. I had to redo a few of my courses. And I'm like, this is like this is like the ABCs now, you know. <laughs> but it's like, well, like yeah. so how how uh you know how many people do we have to see about you know doing these things spending more time spending more money yeah and delaying their their dreams when when all it takes is just giving them a resource yes at the forefront you right. know i i setting agree. them up for success i completely agree with that and you know i think also too the one thing that i really try to do with with my clients but also with everybody i meet is not just the hard skills it's it's and the study techniques and all of that but it's for me also building confidence and creating a mindset of more you know positivity and you know rather than comparison and right. you know and trying to implement implement those professional development you know characteristics into younger people's minds um yes. to give them power over their own mind and power yes. over power over their choices, power over their, um, you know, over their failures, um, I think, you know, or their rejections or any of that. Yeah. Um, and using those as fuel, you know, and real, yeah. really trying to teach them that, you know, it's not about what everybody else is doing. It's about what you're doing and really yes. trying to teach them those mindset skills is so so important oh my gosh 16 17 18 21 i don't care how old you are 42 you know yes. i mean ha i didn't discover that until i was in after i had my daughter in my late 30s right. and i was like why right. didn't somebody show me this right 20 years ago right exactly <laughs> exactly so but to me like, it's you so me like the, you gave me the goosebumps because literally like um you know, uh, for me, I never read growing up ever. I never, I like, I read the Cliff's read. notes. <laughs> yeah. I read a lot. I read a lot of spark notes and cliff notes, you know, but like, but you know, I, I started getting into reading and I started getting to like, there's so much wisdom out oh there my God. that can just be, that can just be given to individuals. Yes. And so the way, the way Brainbox was, was founded was, uh, we went to a mastermind. We actually paid about $25,000 to get into a mastermind in los angeles and we uh presented to a few people and we ended up getting the um this is crazy we ended up getting the uh right hand man of ty lopez ty lopez is a is a guy who's like a motivational speaker some oh, people wow. see, him, see him as a as a he's like a real big social media marketer but his biggest thing is is mentor box one of his biggest things is mentor box mm -hmm. and mentor box is a is a uh it's a company that helps people digest information from the top, top authors in the world, Simon Sinek, Jocko mm. Willing, um, you know, like they'll, they'll interview Jay Shetty, like who, whoever, all yeah. the you know, top books. And then they condense them, right. They condense them in there. So his right-hand man is Jonathan Kendall and uh, Jonathan has like found brain box interesting because he's an intellect. He's, mm. he's an intellect. And, uh, so Jonathan is actually in charge of flying to wherever they're, wherever, whoever they're interviewing, like Simon Sinek, start with why, and talk about the book. And Jonathan had such an interest in Brainbox, he teamed up with us. So he is, nice. our, main, he is our main business partner. And now he's the CEO of uh, Mentorbox, which is a wow. multi-million multi dollar company. So we wholeheartedly believe in like 
all of these concepts, the, mm -hmm. the concepts of, of, of grit, resiliency, all the wisdom that, that you just, that yeah. you just so eloquently put is it's true. Like right. if you're able to apply that to your life, um, if you learn all these little tidbits of information and skills that like nobody would have ever taught you, especially if you're coming from a, coming from a, a family that's like, um, you know, underserved, you know, you, you're not given the same resources in, in right. high school. You're kind of just like, Hey, it's up, it's up to you. And right. hopefully, hopefully you're successful. It, it's just the, the likelihood is very, is very slim, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so by, by, providing this resource we're hoping that students you know can can make their own future and it's little things like you said yeah um you know mindset being able to deal with rejection deal with failure mm -hmm. who do you surround yourself with right like people right. that's one that's one of the first things i go to that right. in like daily routine like what are you right where, let's let's go through your day and let's talk about all the hours that you spend not doing anything right or not as productive right YouTube, right. Netflix, you know, scrolling in your phone, whatever. Mm -hmm. But also, like, who do you surround yourself with? There's right. so many things. There's so, There's many, so many things. So many There's levels, so many but, levels. And I think, yeah. you know, too, you know, teaching young people this will, you know, and hopefully getting resources like this out, you know, to young people will diversify medicine, too. Because, right. you know, let's be real. The PA profession is like, you know, the, the the minority factor is low. Um, I think that starts in elementary school. I think it starts, yeah. you know, early. And, you know, totally. so to be able to help grow, you know, the diversity of this profession, it starts earlier, way yeah. earlier than I think we, we thought or, yeah. you know, and I think people realize that now. Um, but yeah. I think that get this resource for, you know, that you're providing is, uh, is going to be super important, you know, and, and I think will help people like me, you know, help, yeah. you know, guide people who want to go into our profession and see it as a, you know, great opportunity for them and um, just be awesome leaders in the community, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's like, that's the ultimate thing, right? It's like, ultimately, like, you can be the smartest person in your class. You know, we always tell people like um, our students, like, you can be a 4.0 student and a 2.0 professional. Yeah, 4.0 student and a 2.0 like leader, and and the the idea is that like, what what is it what is what is it gonna take to take you from a 2.0 professional or 2.0 leader mm -hmm. to a 4.0, right? Yeah. The idea is like learning all the little things, not not just the study habits and the tactics and all those things that a lot of the people just you know burying their 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 heads in the books. Yeah, do it's all the mindset things, the things that we're we're talking about. It's about packaging yourself, knowing what what is right, um, what what things should you be doing to be able to set yourself up for success. And um, you're right, like you know, building building community leaders, the next generation of leaders is 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 the goal. Because who knows, like yeah. who comes through through Brainbox, and um, if anybody's interested, you know, we yeah that are that are um, you know see this as a, as a resource. I mean, it certainly is. They can they can follow us at uh, Brainbox Methods on our Instagram. We have. Ooh, uh, I didn't uh, know you had that. Let me see. Yeah, Brainbox Methods on Instagram. We're actually hosting a networking workshop tomorrow. It's gonna be pretty amazing. And then, um, and then uh, we www.brainboxmethods is our .com is our uh, website. And, I'm following uh, him right now. I didn't I love, realize you had an Instagram. Okay. Cool. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we're we're 
we're growing pretty pretty rapidly as we as we you know kind of launch this project so um, that's awesome and you know i think that like i said it's an amazing resource i think it could help a lot of people in my audience too so i'll share that with you guys um obviously spreading awareness on this podcast um i will say that if you had one piece of advice to give you know somebody that wanted a career in medicine um regardless if it's md whatever what would it be oh man that's so good so so good um I would say in medicine and in life in general is it's not about what you know, it's about what you don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like, as you, and this is, this is so true in medicine, right? Like when we, when we go into a, a patient's room and we think we know the answer and we feel like we know everything, you, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. You know, you're, totally. you're, 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 you're um, limiting your, your chance for growth. And it's the same thing is like, um, you know, it's the same thing as when, before you even get into medicine, right? Like what we're talking about, um, Jordan Peterson says, like, are you in love with what you know, or are you in love with what you don't know? And if you're in love with what you don't know, then you'll always grow. Yeah. And, and so the idea of like, if you can take that as an undergrad mm-hmm. and then into your postgrad and then into your, your time as a student, wherever you're, wherever you're at medical school, PA school, nursing school, whatever, and then take that into as a professional with letters behind your name, regardless of what those letters are, you will be successful. Yes. If you continually learn, you know, like still to this day, like I feel pretty comfortable in family medicine, I can say. Um, but every every day on my, you know, ride into work, which is like an hour, I'm I'm studying. Mm-hmm. And then on my way home, I'm studying. I'm I, you know, I go through my day and I'm, you know, I have a few cases or I have a few things that I write down that I'm like, oh man, I I I feel like I didn't do, um, a full, you know, do, ju- you know, justice to that patient yeah. or that symptom or whatever it was. I'm like, I need to, I need to refresh myself. So I'll do that on my way home. And then maybe on the next day, if I, if it, if it's still there, I'll, I'll do it on the way there. So it's like, I'm always learning and that's just in medicine. Right. But what about your mindset? What mm-hmm. about if you have other endeavors, right? Like business, like, are you going to learn about business? Do you want to invest? Do you want to learn about investing? Like there's so yeah. many different things. So um, certainly with medicine, right? Like, are you in love with what you know? Or are you in love with what you don't know? But if you're in love with what you don't know, you'll always grow. Um, that so is awesome that advice is, and very well said. That's amazing. Yeah. It's so true. Um, and, you know, I think that even I- I'm continually, like I said, this has been such a learning process for me over the last couple of years, but in a, in a different way, it's exciting, you know, and it's right. just learning about different and, and at my job, like anytime I think I'm walking in to see a patient that's going to be in and out, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, you never know what's going to happen. Right. Um, but I think, you know, exploring different things and taking on and growing in your life personally and professionally, um, is, is so important. I, I, this was so fun. I mean, I could talk to you for three hours, so, um, definitely going to have to do more of this, but if you guys, you obviously know brain box, uh, methods, you can go follow them. Um, but give Tony some love over on IG and (laughs) thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.